You're listening to Seattle Sports Saturday with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports Saturday. Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, Taylor Jacobs hanging out with you all morning. Thanks so much for being here with us right now. Get to talk to one of our favorites, one of the best in the business, Mita Kimes, ESPN writer, host of the ESPN Daily podcast, unapologetic Seattle sports fan, and now New York Times crossword answer. Twenty one across. Uh, hello, Mina. How are you? Hey, spoiler alert for I, anyone who hasn't. <laughs> you know what? Well, I'm not. It's not my name. I'll say that. So. Okay. Fair. It is your podcast, though. That's that's sort of you. Yeah. Don't, don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. You're right. We just ruined that out there for everybody. Mina, this is a huge game this weekend, not just on an uh, emotional level, but even if you take yourself out of it and look at what these two teams have accomplished, both have been accused of being pretenders at certain times this year. Their projected wins lower than what they were actually able to do and so good at winning close games down the stretch. Which of these two teams in your mind has overachieved the most or has been more of a pretender? That's a great way to put it because (laughs) I think everything you just said is accurate about these teams and, you know, benefiting in some cases from luck. Uh, I think the underlying analytics showing that they're maybe not as great as their record. Uh, Seattle ended up finishing this season, I believe, ninth in DVOA, Football Outsiders, efficiency metric. Green Bay was 13th, so I'm inclined to say Green Bay because they played not only a significantly easier schedule, but I think Seattle's been, and everyone listening in Seattle knows this, has been absolutely uh, obliterated by injuries, whereas the Packers have been very healthy. Mina, you look at the the coaching matchup tomorrow. Matt LaFleur, his first ever playoff game. Pete Carroll with countless playoff games under his belt. Do you think coaching experience is going to factor into tomorrow's outcome? I think it does. Um, It's funny with the Packers, you know, they obviously have improved record-wise from last year, but I don't really personally think it's because of coaching. I think it's actually more because of GMing because they finally went out and added some free agents, some of whom are uh, potentially going to make Russell Wilson's life very miserable on that Packers front seven, Zadarius Smith being uh, the most terrifying person. Um, But I think, you know, with Pete – What we'd like to see, I think what Seattle fans want to see, is sort of uh, that he's willing to adjust and and sort of make adjustments. And I think actually you did see that in the Philadelphia game, especially in contrast to the Dallas wild card card game last year, which was immensely frustrating for Seahawks fans from an offensive perspective, watching that uh, Seahawks offense just, you know, run the ball a bit too much and and not be mutable until it's too late. I think they didn't do that in Philadelphia, and I hope they continue to not do that in this game. Mina, from a national perspective, is there more pressure on the Packers and Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson and the Seahawks to get this victory on Sunday? Absolutely on the Packers, uh, just purely because they're playing at Lambeau, right? I think also nationally it's pretty well recognized that Seattle has faced a lot of adversity this year on the injury front. Um, So in some ways they're kind of playing with house money, uh, whereas I think Green Bay has had a lot of advantages accrued their way now, if it was in Seattle, it would probably be a different story. But I think um, this game being in Lambeau is really, and I think this is reflected in the line, why the Packers are favored. Mina, if you had to create a blueprint for how the Seahawks can go about beating Green Bay, what would be on your list? 
Uh, it's three words, and they're pretty simple. Let Russ cook. You guys know the phrase. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> uh, being on Seahawks Twitter. Um, well, and that's only part of it. I'm over-exaggerating. I mean, uh, miraculously heal Dwayne Brown would also be in there, I think, <laughs> up forward. Um, and that's, I think, something Seahawks fans will be keeping their eye on, that injury report um, between him and uh, George Fancing, who's going to play left tackle. Hopefully one of those two, Ben. Um, but, yeah, you know, I think there's a temptation against this Packers defense, which has been fairly weak against the run, to run the ball a lot early, and I think that would be a mistake. Now, I don't think Seattle shouldn't run the ball, and I think they're going to have a lot easier time running the ball in this game than they did in Philadelphia, which it's hard not to do better than you did in that game. Um, but I think Russell's strength, you know, off of play action, his ability to throw that beautiful deep ball to DK Metcalf that we've seen uh, really match up well with Green Bay's weaknesses, and I hope they take advantage of that early on. Mina Kimes of ESPN joining us on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. And, Mina, I'm going to throw a couple stats your way. Green Bay, they've got the lowest pass yard per play ranking of any playoff team right now. They're 17th in the NFL. And then Aaron Rodgers has the lowest completion percentage above expectation of any playoff quarterback, 25th in the NFL. Is this sort of the downswing of Aaron Rodgers' career, or is this just Matt LaFleur having a tougher time instilling his scheme in Green Bay? Well, he has a career-low QBR, so I think it's undeniable that uh, he hasn't played his best football this season. He's also, of the remaining playoff team, has been the worst under pressure, so that's going to be you know, absolutely essential for this very, I would say, inconsistent Seattle pass rush, which you know didn't finish with great numbers. But every now and then, they've gone off. You've seen Chevy and Clowney, who we're hearing should be pretty healthy in this game, he has the ability to take over a football game. We saw that in the San Francisco game. He just hasn't always done it. Um, and he gets double teamed a lot to his credit. But I think that's going to be a tremendous factor in this. I'm actually a little bit more worried about Aaron Jones than Aaron Rodgers in this game, especially as a pass catcher, because that's something Seattle has struggled with at times. Mina, who's one player we aren't really talking about, maybe nationally or even locally, that you think we might be talking about on Monday having an, a, a major effect on this game? Ooh, okay. So I guess it's a question between there's the Seahawks side of it, and I'll, I'll go with the Seahawks side of it, and I'll go nationally because locally you guys talk about all the yeah. <laughs> a bit a bit more. Um, but I thought here's a name you don't hear a lot nationally. I thought Bradley McDougal was excellent in the last game, and um, I think we obviously we saw how much it impacts that defense with Quandre Diggs back there. Now, granted. There's not a ton to take away from a game against Josh McCown, who we now know is playing with like his hamstring coming off his leg. I mean, it's just horrible, uh, and really a credit to him. But I think those two safeties and I think Biggie's presence on the field is really helpful to McDougal. And I think, you know, just in terms of how do you stop Devontae Adams, because after him, you know, there's not that much. The depth uh, of the Green Bay receiver core is actually worse than Seattle. I think if you can contain Adams, you're in pretty good shape. Mina, these these two teams have sort of become rivals over the last decade, and whether it was intentionally or not, the, some of the amazing moments, the mercurial moments in between these two teams have been absolutely both fun and then terrible to watch at times. What do you think it is about these two quarterbacks in particular that have made have the makings of a great rivalry? Well, they're sort of trending in different directions, right? We talked about Rodgers' season this year. Russell's been excellent. But I think everyone knows 
these are two quarterbacks who are capable, who have been capable of their entire careers of making magic happen and doing the impossible on the field. And, and that's really a big, I don't think they have similar games in a lot of respects, but I think that's something they can happen. Just their ability to make plays outside of the pocket and extend and throw passes that you didn't think was possible. I mean, I guess Patrick Mahomes would also <laughs> fall into that category. But I, I think knowing that, you know, this is the kind of game where even if it's sort of ugly and low scoring, when you go into the fourth quarter, you just don't know what you're going to get. And I think that's sort of what makes this so entertaining. And in my mind, really the closest game of the weekend. Well, so, I mean, even as a Seahawks fan, Mina, you're going to pick the Seahawks for this one, right? It's just... I did pick Seattle for this one, yeah. And I, I didn't – I don't know always pick Seattle. <laughs> um, often I pick against them as an emotional hedge. But I think there's a lot of factors in this game just kind of after going through the matchups that I do think uh, favor the Seahawks. And, like, I think they've got the better quarterback. I love it. And, yeah, if it comes down to it in the fourth quarter, both these quarterbacks have made magic happen, but I'm still, I think I'm putting my money on Russell in this one. Mina, thank you so much for taking time to chat with us today. Yes, thanks, Mina. Send love to Lenny. Yes, absolutely. Mina Kimes, uh, host of the ESPN Daily Podcast. If you don't already subscribe, please do. It's great bringing you the biggest sports story of the day. And also follow Mina on Twitter if you just want to be entertained. And apparently you can find her in the New York Times cross crossword. Although, sorry, sorry spoiler alert. Yeah, didn't really bad. think about my that bad. one. That's that's our bad. But also you deserve a freebie every now and again. Yeah, no, and if, and if you work listening hard. to Mina Kimes gives you a freebie in the crossword, then so be it. You so earned it. it. Yes, you earned that. <laughs> Coming up next on Seattle Sports Saturday, speaking of that rival rivalry, what is it that it takes what are the criteria for the making of a great rivalry and if you're going to have a nemesis like maybe perhaps Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson are what does it take to create that it's next on on Seattle Sports Saturday next on 710 ESPN Seattle Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz Curtis Rogers and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle belief you believe that things are going to go the right way without that then you you can't be resilient you have to believe and trust that you know there's a chance that things could turn the way you want it to i think we have unwavering belief we believe in each other we believe in our system believe in what we're doing takes the shotgun snap looks throws inside ball is caught into the end zone seahawks win touchdown seahawks and we just believe we believe that we're going to accomplish everything we want and uh, we play like it from week to week. We're a very confident bunch. We're a very close bunch. We believe in each other. No matter what the situation where we're up a lot or down a lot. That kick is away. And that kick is good. The Seahawks win. It's good. From 42, the Seahawks in overtime win for the second time in two weeks. We fight for each other every single day. We believe in that locker room. If anybody believes, it's the guys in that locker room and what, what, what we, where we're going, where we're headed and what we think. Russ is going to let it fly. He's got Metcalf deep. Metcalf reaches up. He makes the catch near midfield. What a play call by the Seahawks. Just throw it deep. And Metcalf makes the catch. we got a couple more now. Before we're done, yeah, let's, let's get ready to keep living it up. It's too important. Welcome back to Seattle Sports Saturday. Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, Taylor Jacobs hanging out with you. Speaking of pump-up songs. I was just going to say, this is uh, not only is this a pump-up song, but this is also like a raging song. Because you it can is. play a certain alcohol-induced drinking game with this. <laughs> oh, nice. Anytime they say the word thunder, oh. you then pass the drink and it goes around until it's done. 
Gotcha. Well, well you know. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just anyone who drinks too much thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Lydia messed up that montage because it was played playing dry. So I just pulled this one out of the hat, and I feel like it works a- appropriately because ACDC always gets you pumped up. We're getting you pumped up for the playoff game this weekend, Sunday, the Packers versus the Seahawks. It is the, my my mind, marquee matchup of the weekend because these two quarterbacks, the history, the weird moments that have been created over time between the two of these, whether they would ever acknowledge themselves as rivals, it, I don't think it matters because you heard it from Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. Well, this wasn't really a rivalry downplaying this, but how can it not be with the amount of crazy moments and the, the painful moments that uh, on both fan bases have over the last 10 years, beginning in 2012, really, in, in Russell's rookie season. Yeah, I mean, it's a great point. And the 360 texting in on the way to, or let's see here. Sorry, my Wisconsin family, two brothers and a nephew, they have tickets for the game and they're going early to shovel the snow. Big Packers fans. You. They're still talking smack in my direction, but they have no comebacks for the whole NFC Championship game. Yeah, we'll get to that in just a second, but let's start with 2012 and the fail Mary and the, the way that game ended. Do you guys remember where you were at or, or watching that game? I was at home, and I remember watching the end of it and being like, oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> oh, this is – we're going to be talking about this for a while because it culminated with the end of the referee lockout. Uh, and I mean, that's, You're welcome, that's why it happened. <laughs> yeah, here, here is that that game-winning touchdown. Wilson takes a snap, three-man rush, looking, scrambling. Now he's going to roll. Now he's going to stop and set. Back at the forty, lets it fly to the end zone. Going to give his guys a chance. Going up, coming down. Does he come down with it? Does Golden Tate have it? He's in the end zone. He's has. Oh my God, he's got it! Touchdown, Seahawks! Golden Tate comes down with the ball. In the corner of the end zone, with no time left on the clock. How did he do it? We still don't know how he did it. No. no. We don't know if he actually did it. Right. But but that, that's got to ruffle the feathers. That's that's initial feather ruffle in the cap of the Green Bay Packers. If you're a Packers fan, like you said, still talking smack about it. Yes, yes. Still thinking back to some of those big moments. Yeah, I mean, that's the... That's the uh... The genesis of this whole thing, right? That's where I think this new sort of hate started. You can even go back maybe the fact that the Seahawks took Holmgren away from the Packers and that he came here. Maybe that's also some some uh, mm-hmm. fuel to the fire. But I still think, like you said, Lydia, that's the start of what we now know as this rivalry. In this modern era yes. with Rodgers, with Russell Wilson. Then it's 2014, right? You had two different games that year that were incredible. The first in the home opener, right, that year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And lowering the banner. Yeah. Lowering the boom. Yeah. And they blew out the Packers that yeah. night, setting up a, another run to the Super Bowl. But the Seahawks weren't going to get back to the Super Bowl without meeting these Packers again. And down 16 nothing, the Seahawks had to go into their bag of tricks. So the Seahawks are going to send Stephen Hauschka on to try to put – the first points of the day on the board for the Hawks. It'll be a field goal attempt of 38 yards off the left hash mark out of the hold of John Ryan. Hauschka from 38. Snap is good. Spot is a fake. John Ryan around the far side. He's going to throw. He's got a man in the end zone. 
It is a touchdown! Seahawks! Are you kidding me? Gary Gilliam, a former tight end, now a tackle. And that made it a, what, a 16-7 ball game. Mm-hmm. Seahawks down still, and it you know they need some lucky bounces, thankfully for the hands of Brandon Bostic. There it is. Bounces high. Seattle has a chance. It's bouncing around. The Seahawks got it. The Seahawks have it in midfield. They got it. Coming out of the pile with it is Chris Matthews, the big youngster who played in Canada, signed here. He's been worth the price of admission on that play. (laughs) Seattle still has life with 2.07 to play. Fun aside about Chris Matthews. Strongest handshake I've ever felt. <gasps> really? Ooh, Those that, people that just crush that, your bones? Yeah. It's, it's one of those. Uh, Russell Wilson's go. up there because his hand is so big. It's like a banana. It's yeah. a bunch of bananas. It engulfs yours. You're, yeah. You kind of forget that you had a hand. He You're shakes like, your where elbow. Did it go? You're like, why are your fingers touching my elbow right now? Yeah. Wow. Strong. Yeah. Strong handshake. And then, I mean, it caps off with one of the most memorable plays in, in Seahawks history. Uh, Wilson to curse, 35 yards, and the Seahawks find themselves back in the Super Bowl for the second straight year. Lynch in the backfield in a pistol formation. Wide receivers to either side. Russell takes the snap, drops back. He's going to throw down the middle. He's got a man. The ball is caught. Game over, Touchdown. The game is over. The Seahawks are going back to the Super Bowl in Glendale. What a catch in the end zone. It is curse. 35 yards, a long game for Jermaine, and he makes the game-winning reception in the end zone. They are going nuts at Century League. It's hard to believe that that's the only playoff game these two teams have played in the last decade because there is there's a lot of history between these two ball clubs, and it's it's a history that is going to meet again tomorrow. And I mean there. It's crazy to think that these two teams have not played for anything more since that NFC Championship game. That's what I think makes this rivalry so intriguing because it's not a ton of times that they have met up, but it's just the extreme moments that have happened. And I also think it is these two quarterbacks who have been in the conversation of future Hall of Famers, been on lots of people's top lists over the years, who couldn't be more different personality-wise, Aaron Rodgers being that king of – Emotion, bad body language, we'll let you know about it right in the moment. In his post-game interview, Russell Wilson, always positive, always upbeat, won't throw anybody under the bus. So I just think that it's got enough compelling storylines that it's just made for this great rivalry over the years. Of course, Green Bay winning three straight after that, and then the Seahawks getting the win on Thursday Night Football to, to even up the balance a little bit. But haven't won at Lambeau since 1999. Crazy. Is there another? I was just thinking about this, and I'm going to speak out loud. Is there another rivalry in <laughs> sports? Yeah, yeah. Is there another rivalry in sports similar to this? You know, it's not the Yankees, Red Sox, not you know, your Michigan, Ohio rival. State divisional rival. You see them every year. You know, it's going to be a big game every year. But the sort of off and on again opponents that just truly hate each other and is- make for. Something weird always happens in their game, or something. If you, like, yeah, yeah, if you can think of some, text in seven ten seven ten. We'd maybe love to not, hear from you. Maybe not to the level of this, but like Patriots Colts. Mm. I think that's one that over the last, kind of around the same time frame too, 
Uh, you know, they had a lot of battles. They're not in the same division. But uh, Manning and Brady, they met for a lot more, like, conference championship games. And there was a, they met a lot in the playoffs. Whereas Rodgers and Wilson, they've only met the one time before this. James Jones, he joined Danny and Gallant earlier this week. Uh, he talked about this game being a rivalry and, and him not shying away from the fact because he played in this rivalry game too. And, uh, yeah, here's James Jones on You Better Believe This Is a Rivalry. Sorry, I you did. You better believe it's a rivalry. <laughs> I mean, just the things that the things that have happened in the rivalry. I mean, we all we all remember the film, Barry. I mean, we all remember the battles that we we've had in Green Bay, but I think I mean it's it's a deep rivalry, man, because it goes down to you know you got the GM Snyder over there that came from Green Bay. He always wants to put it to Green Bay and beat Green Bay. It's a it's a big time rivalry, man, and this is going to be a good game. It's going to be a tough challenge. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Anybody watching from the outside, I understand why the parties involved will want to downplay it and say that it's not. And Matt Lafleur will do his every game is the same and downplay it. It's not really a rivalry in his mind. And Pete will do his uh, <laughs> stance, which is every game's a championship opportunity. They're all important, and that both teams will kind of downplay it. But if you're an outsider, you know it exists. Yeah, some texts coming in here comparing the rivalry. Saints-Vikings, that seems to be one brewing. Yeah. They've had a yes. lot of recent uh, sort of games come down to the wire and be big and important. Uh, Lakers-Celtics, Sonics-Bulls in the 90s. Um, so you're getting a lot of Belichick-Tomlin, USC-Notre Dame. So there's some great examples of rivals that don't play each other every year, but still, well, USC-Notre Dame play each other every year, but the that still have that sort of deep-rooted hatred through the games and through the experiences in those games. Well, and I think this rivalry for the fans also extends beyond the Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers years. It goes all the way back to the Matt Hasselbeck. Oh. We want the ball. We're going to score. Oh, which I thought we were going to get out one of those. That. That's one of the most heartbreaking <laughs> losses in, in Seattle sports history. A quote that will haunt us. It, it will. Um, I mean, Matt Hasselbeck couldn't be a nicer guy. We love you, yeah. Matt. But, like... Ooh. Got a little cocky there. And it was such a bad throw, having rewatched that uh, clip a little <laughs> also, bit this week. What, oh, are you, what are you doing throwing to Alex Bannister in yes. overtime? And just any telegraphed the whole thing. You might as well put a billboard up being like, that's where the ball's going. And they read it. They picked it. It doesn't get any easier to watch now no. than no. it was at the moment. And we're speaking to exactly why this is still so compelling. Yes. And it sure will be on Sunday. Speaking of which, up next on Seattle Sports Saturday, we're going to get you ready, breaking down these two teams, a head-to-head matchup. Who has the edge next, right here on Seattle Sports Saturday on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports Saturday. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning. Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, Taylor Jacobs. Just having fun, getting ready for the playoffs. It sure feels good to be in this position. Versus last year. Yeah. I'm just so grateful. This has been a fun year, a fun team. And to be here chatting about this with you guys, fun. And it may not end. I think that's the one thing about this game. I know we've been talking about it all day and how even this matchup is, but the Seahawks truly have a chance to go on the road and beat this Green Bay Packers team. And that's really all you can ask for is that chance. And they're going to have an opportunity to go out there on Sunday and prove it and to play for it and... Who, we may be a few more weeks away from talking about the end of the Seahawks football team, which is let's go. Fat, Let's it's so yeah. cool. 
let's let's keep delaying it <laughs> until let's let's go all the way you know through the end of the first week of February. Why you not? Know? I'm, I'm, I'm cool with it. Yeah, I'm more than okay with that. You mentioned that both these teams parity on a lot of in a lot of position groups, but if we have to take it and break it down by position group and and see which ha- which team has the edge in that category. Uh, let's do that. Let's let's take a look at the the QB first of all. Both we've talked a lot about it on the show. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, two different points in their career, but we don't have to talk about that as much as who do you trust more with the weapons that they have and the head coach that they have on Sunday. I think it's it's pretty obvious, and also talking to Mina Kimes about it, that it's Russell Wilson. That is the choice in this when you have him going up against Aaron Rodgers. The stats clearly show that Rodgers is not the same quarterback that he once was, and maybe it's just a one-year blip on the radar, and then he's going to get back to where he was in, in 2020. But this is not the Aaron Rodgers that was throwing for you know that was you know winning MVPs or winning Super Bowls, and Russell Wilson is that guy right now. He is. He is at that level of quarterbacking play where he can take you all the way to a Super Bowl if if things break right. If he plays his best game every single time, you can go to a Super Bowl with him. And right now, I don't think you can say that about Aaron Rodgers if he doesn't have help around him. Does history scare you at all, though? Does history... Russell has not had his best games. In fact, has had some of his worst games against Green Bay. Granted, it was Mike McCarthy. It was a different it was different team altogether. But playing at Lambeau hasn't had success. It's a hostile road environment. Does any part of the, the historical context scare you? I mean, you have to bring that into account, right? You have to take into account all the things that have happened in, in the past. But these are different teams, different coaches, different players, different schemes. There's a completely different different feel to this Seahawks Packers game, even to when the last time they faced off. So to me, it just feels like right now in this moment, Russell has the advantage. We're not talking all time. We're not talking career. We're not talking all of these going forward one game right now. I'm taking Russell over. And actually the historical context is what gives me hope because Russell Wilson is always a competitor first and foremost. And I'm not saying Rogers is not, but he has more to play for in terms of personal gain, in terms of, of course, he's a team-focused person, but he wants to rewrite that narrative. He doesn't want to be known as the guy who plays poorly against this team. So I think he personally, that actually gives me hope where he is going to rewrite part of this narrative on Sunday. How about the offenses in general? The Green Bay Packers have been somewhat mystifying at times this year. If you like to read Football Outsiders and buy into DVOA, uh, their offense has higher swings than the Seahawks do. The Seahawks have remained um, at times poor, but pretty are actually pretty good and pretty consistent, but not reaching the same highs, also not reaching the same lows as the Packers do. So they have been sort of an enigma. You don't know from one week to the next what you're going to get necessarily. What do you what do you believe about this offense? Is it is it the highs that we've seen, or is it the lows? Is it somewhere in between? I think the Packers' offense is more of the lows than it is the highs, and I I think the Seahawks are playing with an urgency right now that is not going to allow for the Packers to have their way with them offensively. I mean, last week against the Eagles, seven sacks, didn't allow a touchdown in the postseason, on the road. I don't care that Josh McCown was the quarterback. 
as opposed to Carson Wentz, that is an impressive performance and one that, you know, they showed that, you know, against a team that has a good pass rush the way the the Eagles had, like, you know what, we're not going to blink against a team that people think we're not as good against. And, and I think people kind of expected Seattle to come away with a victory last week, but the way they did it, I don't think anybody expected Seattle to do. And I think if they're able to replicate that defensive performance, I mean, it's going to be really tough to keep Green Bay out of the end zone, especially with Aaron Jones and his knack for finding Pater. But, man, that that performance last week from the defense was, I think, the most encouraging thing, maybe even above Russell Wilson having you know just an incredible lights-out performance and DK Metcalf having a career day as well. I think just the totality of the defense and them being able to just kind of assert their will against Philadelphia, I think that bodes well for Seattle against Green Bay. Yeah, and they and they were out there. Miles Sanders and Aaron Jones kind of cut from similar cloth. Aaron Jones, I think, is a better player. But you saw the Seahawks' defense go at Miles Sanders and take him out of the game, make him irrelevant. He's the, that dual threat. Right, yeah. and the, the linebackers were all over the place. And that's one of the matchups I'm going to be looking at. And you mentioned Aaron Jones, but... What's it look like when Aaron Jones meets those linebackers? When he gets past the first level of that defensive line, he gets through either around the edge or through the middle. What does the play of the Seahawks linebackers look against that? Because, again, no Michael Kendricks, so you're going to have Cody Barton out there again. But in the passing game, we saw it last week again, Cody Barton actually really excels in coverage as a linebacker. And as an outside linebacker, you got to love that going up against the pass catching running back who's going to be catching it out in the flat. Cody can get there and cover that pretty efficiently. So, what will it be like when Aaron Jones gets to that second level of the Seahawks defense? Can he make Bobby and KJ miss? Can he make those guys look foolish? Or will Bobby and KJ show that they are the all pros and pro bowlers that they have been in their career and essentially stop him from getting to the last level of the Seahawks defense? Speaking of that second level, for for the Football Outsiders DVOA stats, Green Bay ranks ninth there, Seattle ranks seventh. But I think what's interesting is they haven't been great on third and short yardage situations green bay hasn't and if you're if you're going to be that bend and don't break and you're able to get them into those third down situations even with their rush offense they haven't had success on power runs on those short short yardage runs so i think put them into those situations and uh, you'll have your defense off the field also if you can hang tough in the red zone that's going to be huge because green bay has been pretty Productive. While their their offense been pretty mediocre the rest of the way in the red zone, they've been pretty efficient this year. Yeah, holding a playoff team to just nine points on those field goals is a big accomplishment. And I know it was against a banged up Eagles team, and they were the fa- the Seahawks were the favorites to win anyways. But that it, it takes a lot to clamp down in that red zone because it, the, there's not a lot of room for error. And for the Seahawks' defense to do that last week in their first week in the playoffs with the injuries gives me a lot of confidence going into this game, even on the road, even as underdogs, that this defense can continue to lock down and clamp up in the red zone. So the Seahawks' offense, how can they take advantage of the Green Bay deficiencies? And remember, keeping in mind, we know who's doubtful this weekend. Is it Mikey Potty's doubtful at this point? And George Fant and Dwayne Brown will be game time decision so your offensive line is going to be a little banged up which is not unfamiliar in the in the I past mean, that's just kind of how it's always been yeah. exactly it's just another day another day yeah, yeah. but it, still how can they take advantage of green bay's 
weaknesses. And one storyline, Bob Condota just tweeting out about this, uh, Seahawks GM, John Schneider, a Green Bay guy. What's it going to be like for him going back there? He said no to them. He had an opportunity. He could have left Seattle to go interview for that Green Bay job, and he didn't. He stuck it out here. Mm -hmm. He's still the GM here. I think James Jones or someone mentioned that earlier this week, too, that that's a running storyline as well. That, you know, he spurned Green Bay for Seattle. And what sort of effect that has? Will people on Green Bay in the stands be thinking about that on the field? Does anyone have John Schneider's name in their head because of this sort of this rivalry and these two teams having the history that they have? Another thing I think to watch out for quickly before we go to break, Green Bay, they have not played a lot of tough opponents this year. I think I think they've only played three teams that made it to the postseason and they went what? They went th- they went four and one in those games. They lost against Philly. They lost against San Fran. San Fran. Oh, that's right. Yeah, San Francisco worst was game one. of the year, and yeah, they negative Minnesota total DVOA yeah. during that game. So they were so bad on all fronts. They against good teams this year. They've kind of been fifty fifty. Yeah, absolutely. The Seahawks. I would classify them as a good team. I I would as well. That's a hot, hot take. Hot alert. take. All you want is a shot, and all you want is a chance. And the Seahawks have a shot, and they have a chance. And to- tomorrow we're going to see them either take advantage of that opportunity or not. So this is what you play for. This is why the games are played, not on paper, on the field. And this is this is it. This is the divisional round. You win this game, you're going to the NFC Championship game. You could be hosting, and you could be going up against your most seat- deep-rooted evil rival in the Niners. For a three-peat. For a three, just Ultimate a ton of storylines. If you can't get up for this, get out. Get up. As we say it, draped in all of our Seahawks gear today, we are certainly ready. We're going to be getting you ready all weekend. We've got special bonus coverage tomorrow at 10 a.m. Stacey Rost, Tom Wassel, Paul Gallant going to be in studio. And then pregame show takes over at noon and 3.40 p.m. kickoff right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Up next on Seattle Sports Saturday, we wrap things up with our shout-outs. Please, textures in. Get them we in. We want to hear 710-710 to the Coors Light text line. We want to hear from you. But shout-outs coming up next. We wrap things up right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports Saturday. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, Taylor Jacobs. Wrapping things up for you, getting ready for big game on Sunday. And we I do this every week. We do our shout-outs. It's our opportunity to just spread a little positivity because we can get bogged down in mm-hmm. negativity and criticism. Sometimes it seems like radio or sports radio can be a lot about that, nitpicking things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's so much great stuff out there, positivity in the world, and, and we always like to highlight some of it. You guys also Great shout-outs always coming in yeah. at 710. Keep 710. them coming. 710-710, texting in. 509, how can you shout-out anything other than Mina Kimes? Twitter goat and future of ESPN. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, Mina was actually one of the first guests that I had booked on the Justin and G show. For those who Ooh. know my history, that's how I got Robert here as a producer. Um, so I remember reading her articles and just loving the way she writes and loving the, the the material in which she's writing about. And she's been such a great, great 
host and you know sort of icon for Seattle. I don't know what else you would call her, but we're um, so lucky she's ours. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> and she does such a great job for ESPN, for the podcasters out there, for people who just like to have fun. Uh, love Mina. She's awesome. And she's ours. Like you said, she's a Seattle fan. So it's, it's great to have her on our side. Agree. Absolutely agree. Well, if we're going to go and shout out really cool women Seahawks fans, I'll give a shout out to Mama Blue as well. She Ooh. celebrated her 89th birthday. So I, I just think that's awesome. Anyone who has been a fan from day one and supported this team, that's really cool. Obviously I wasn't alive, didn't have the opportunity to do it, but, uh, to those day oneers, that's awesome. Yeah, seventy six, and, so cool. and it does give me. It also makes me happy about the NHL team, about the XFL team coming, and all these things where it, you have the opportunity to sort of be in on the ground floor of those things, It'd and hopefully the NBA team back eventually. But yeah, it feels cool to be whether it was a rugby team recently as well. You kind of feel like you have part ownership, not ownership, but. I don't know. There's just like you identify with a that. kinship, yeah. a kinship yeah. that we've been in this from the beginning. Yeah, because I think most people their fandom starts like passed down from you, you know the parents it. or yeah. like where they go to school, where they grew up around. But like to be in an area where all these new teams are sprouting up and, and to get in on the ground level, that's really cool uh, to say that you were there from the very very beginning. I'm I'm excited for the NHL to come, and we're going to find out a team name here within the next you know weeks or months. Uh, it's expected like around the first quarter here in 2020. So, and then the the NHL draft is coming up soon. It, it'll be fun to watch if you are a fan. We should do a mock draft at that time mm. too, because then we're only a year out from a first the expansion draft, and then about two weeks later the actual draft. So we're just going to have a jam packed schedule of fun when it comes to that. I love drafts. Any Me kind too. of draft. Well, except for like a military draft. That yeah. would be a bad mm. one. Yeah, no. <laughs> Yikes. Um, for me, I just want a sh- quick shout out uh, before I get into my uh, one shout out that I have here. But Wazoo and UW fans, going through a lot. Changes in the basketball <laughs> team and the football team. Changes for the football team for the Cougs. Um, these can be trying times if you're a fan. And I understand anyone who freaks out. I understand anyone who doesn't freak out, but I think it's a good time to realize that we've come a long ways in the past decade from where UW and Wazoo were, both basketball-wise and football-wise, and that you know we, we're reaching these ceilings because of the accomplishments that both schools are achieving. So it's not a bad thing. It's scary because it's unknown, but just be excited about the unknown and the fact that you might be able to take that next step forward. I like that. You might be able to go from good to great, right. great to elite. It's an exciting concept. I'm going to be at Cheese Ball this week and just nice. shout right out <laughs> the Seattle the Seahawks um, because this team has been so much fun to watch this year and to follow and to cover. Thank you guys for the opportunity to do that, but also thank you to this team for just being, I don't know, just a lot of fun in the locker room, interviews. This week it was K.J. Wright uh, on with the guys in the afternoon. And then also we had DJ Fluker on, who is one of my favorites. We saw the mic'd up from the past wild card game. That was, it just had so many little moments, whether it was KJ supporting and watching every play Russell was doing and commenting on it, whether it was Marshawn Lynch telling Travis Homer, he's got to scoot in the middle of him and turban because he felt like he was in an old folks home and they can't have all the age sitting next to each other and encouraging the rookie. 
I don't know. I just think this team is something special, and it, I've really appreciated it being a lot of fun. Uh, I want to say win on Sunday because I'm not even going to accept the possibility win yes. or lose. Okay. Um, so okay. Wi- winning Sunday, this has been so much fun, and I and I can't wait for it to continue. Nice. Further. There we go. I got a couple shout outs. First one uh, in the NBA, Trey Young. He's a point guard for the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, he did something really cool this week. He partnered with a nonprofit uh, that's called RIP Medical Debt to relieve more than a million dollars in medical bills for people in the city of Atlanta. I mean, that's just that's incredible, uh, an incredible gesture on his part. Very deserving of a shout out this week. And uh, I mean, for a young player to you know kind of take that upon himself and, and you know say you know what I'm going to use my platform for something good like that. That's that's a great great thing that Trey Young did this week. Also, I'm going to shout out everybody driving over the past today. Oh, yes. Uh, we had a, a bunch of people texting in today saying, thanks for giving us something to listen to that we've been stranded out here. Oh, um, Washington State Department of Transportation on Twitter. Uh, right now, both directions on Snoqualmie Pass open with chains required on all vehicles except for all-wheel drive and four-wheel drive. Eastbound Stevens Pass, it, Stevens Pass is closed. Um, westbound is open. So, I mean, if you were trying to get over the passes today, um, stay safe out there, please. Yes. First off, uh, and and make sure that if you are unable to get to your destination, that you find shelter and, and yep. you're able to, you know, find a, a roof over your head tonight because no one wants to. No one wants to lose you. Yeah, get some gas, throw some waters in your car, uh, some granola bars, a blanket. Just be ready for things for the unknown. Flashlight. Flashlight. Those are all good things to have. My shout out, real quick. Uh, Wolverhampton keeper Rui Patricio. Last week saw one of the kids in the uh, tunnel was shivering and was freezing cold waiting to go out into the pitch because, you know, in soccer they always have the kids come out with the players. So he took his sweater off and gave it to this kid, and you saw his face light up, and he was so happy. And it's moments like that. That's going to change that kid's way he feels about Wolverhampton for the rest of his life. He'll always remember that moment, that player, that team. And it's just things like that that make sports truly special. So we got to focus on those types of moments. Shout out Wolverhampton keeper Rui Patricio. Oh, I love it. And then uh, we got some probably adverse weather coming our way this week. So yes, stay safe out there, everybody. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to wrap things up for us here at Seattle Sports Saturday. We've so appreciated you hanging out with us this morning. Remember, there's going to be bonus coverage tomorrow that begins at 10 a.m. right here. Stacy Ross, Tom Wassel, Paul Gallant in the house for a couple hours. Then at noon, a pregame show takes over, and uh, the fun continues until kickoff, 3.40 p.m., the Seahawks at Lambeau Field. Man, it's going to be one for the ages. It is, and it's going to continue on Monday. we got the Pete Carroll Show at 9.30. I mean, Hear from the head coach, hopefully about that win and yeah. how, uh, mm-hmm. how they are moving on to the NFC Championship. But, of course, you've got great games later today as well, Minnesota at San Francisco and later the Titans at Baltimore to get you started, to get you ready for that matchup on Sunday. So, as always, thank you so much for listening to us. I'm Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, Taylor Jacobs, signing off. And, yes, one more final request. Stay safe out there through all the weather. Uh, We care about you. We want you to be safe. We'll hear from you. Uh, We'll be back here in a week right here on Seattle Sports Saturday.